We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's get to these. We also had some super chats, some really, some really good questions here. I want to get to these as well. Garth Cassidy said, Brian, thank you for that. Garth sent you in, in the mods a message on the board about depth chart a couple days ago before you put yours out. I'm curious if you saw it or not. I don't think I did, Garth, but I'll go look for it uh, when we get off here. Zach Martin with a super chat. Thank you, Zach. He says, if you could only have one bow in this cycle, you're not going to like my answer, Zach. If you could only have one bow in the cycle, would it be Drake or Peyton? All you, factors you, like recruiting other prospects, need skill, et cetera, all count. Go ahead, Ryan. I'll let you right. answer first. So my immediate reaction was was Peyton because of the, the depth chart at safety maybe moving forward, right? But my actual answer is Drake Bowen because, because he's the recruiter of the group, man. And he's a he's a really good player. Like he's a top 50 kid. And he is the guy that's out there right now saying, like, this needs to be the best class ever. People had concerns about Keon Keeley. Keon, come up, come up to South Bend. Right. I'm hanging out with you all day, and right. we we heard it at the. At and the, he's a top fifty recruit, which right matters not, more. Yeah, it's not like he's just from, a throw. Yeah, it's not right. like he's a he's a token Indiana prospect, right? right. No, he's he's a legit <laughs> right. top fifty player, and he's also like on campus leading the charge to like, right. oh, uncommitted guy, come over here, man. Let let's play together, right? So like that's why he's my answer. My answer is I don't have to answer that. Like that, but that, but see, here's the thing, like Zach, like here, here, Sean and I were talking about this earlier on the phone. Notre Dame fans have, we have to condition ourselves to, to accept the fact and embrace the fact that Marcus Freeman and, and Chad Bowden and Tommy Reese and Al Washington and and all he's the whole staff. Notre Dame is now playing big boy football. Okay, when it comes to the recruiting trail, Notre Dame is playing big boy football. And we don't have to get into these anymore of, well, what if you can only have one? Because that's not what big boys do. Right. And I love the premise behind your question. And if I had to answer it, my answer would have been the same as Ryan's. I I, I think Peyton Bowen is, has a chance to be an elite player. But if it's just Peyton and Drake, it's like Peyton impacts 
Peyton coming to Notre Dame. Drake, I think, impacts others. But I don't have to pick that because, number one, they're both committed to Notre Dame. And the other part is is for Notre Dame to get to that next level, they need to start getting both of those guys types of guys. And that's that's why I'm going to cheat a little bit and take that answer. It's also why I let Ryan go first because I knew Ryan was going to give you a – he was actually going to answer your question and and give you a good rational answer. But for me, it's like I, both. I'm not, I'm not accepting the premise because – Notre Dame doesn't have to play that game anymore. And it's it's kind of funny watching some Notre Dame fans go through this mental process of trying to believe it's different, but not ready to go there just yet. Like it's like there's and I fall victim to this, still waiting on that shoe to drop, right? Like, okay, there's been way too much success going on here lately. I'm waiting on something bad to happen. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just what we've been conditioned to, to believe and accept for 30 years, but things are changed now. And it's like when Keon Keeley started taking visits, Ryan, you remember what the reaction was? Well, there goes that, you know, not going to get Keon because he's going to Alabama. Notre Dame can't beat Alabama for, for that guy. He's going to Florida, he, you know, and, and what did we say? Yeah. Yeah. Man, let's just, just let it play out. Exactly. Yeah, we feel good. And now it's like, Keon's like, look, it's now been how many months since he's been taking visits and he's still not only is he, solid to Notre Dame he's recruiting other players to come join him at Notre Dame yep and and so it's just a different era and and it, we're talking about on the message board if you're on the message board you know this and I'll say here but like go look at a Michigan a Texas a Clemson Ohio State mess even Ohio State fans who think Notre Dame is just basically it's like Youngstown State and Ohio Notre Dame are similar programs like that's how Ohio State fans view Notre Dame it's been like that my whole life they're even getting a little bit nervous because it's like, wait a minute, like they're beating us for this guy and they beat us for that guy. And like, hold on a second. Like, you know, the, but Michigan fans, I, I somebody sent me a thing today. Like Michigan fans are at the point now where they're like, they need to hire Tommy Reese. Like a buddy of mine sent me that today. Like they need to hire Tommy Reese because they can't beat him. So they just need to then go get him. Like when was the last time we had that conversation about a Notre Dame coach? That's crazy. And, and, yeah. we're, and, and like I was on a Clemson board today and, and, and I saw like seven or eight comments. Cause I was having some fun. I mean, like I'm hearing about these freakouts. I'm like, let me go check these out. <laughs> and, and they're like, you know, when Dabo leaves, they need to go hire Marcus Freeman. Like that is the ultimate compliment, right? Like, because it's like, we can't beat this guy. So when he, when this guy leaves, we need to go get that guy. But that's what big boy football is like everybody. And, and we need to understand the fact that Notre Dame's playing big boy football now. Mm-hmm. And where Zach and I love the question, it's a fun question. And, and, but it's like, we don't have to ask those questions anymore. The expectation now needs to be both. Who would right. you, who, who would you rather have this guy or this guy? Um, yeah, I'm gonna take them both. Cause Alabama <laughs> doesn't have to pick between those two, right? Georgia doesn't pick between those two. It's time right. their name starts being like that. And, and so that's why, that's why I'm going to cheat a little bit. Don't worry, don't worry, Zach. Yeah. Zach, I gave you your answer. Don't worry. You got That's an answer. Why I let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Irish Guardian, uh, Gordian Knot. This is going to be the most frustrating offseason in a long time. So many, because, and I'm, tr- I wanted to ask Zach's first because I knew what my answer was going to be, and it's going to tie into this one. So many great recruits visiting other schools and having to wait for the Ohio State game. Ryan, that ties exactly into what I just said, which is there's a panic with Notre Dame fans because, oh, gee, we want this guy, but he's going here and he's going there and he's going there. Yeah. I get that because for the last 30 years, those guys more often than not ended up going to the other schools. It's fair. This is a different area. Th- those schools are now worried about Notre Dame the way that Notre Dame has been worried about those other schools for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look – the couple of spots that we told you to just chill out and let it play out was what was the biggest one outside of the Dante Moore questions that we get constantly is Keon Keeley. And Brian just mentioned it, right? And we're telling you, he just he fits Notre Dame, right? And apparently he's shut everything down because we didn't panic. We, and we believe that to be the case as of correct. right now. Correct. Yeah, as of right now. Sure, yeah. sure. But, you know, the fact that he is – been on campus now a couple times in the last month and he's seemingly to recruit everybody now is right. a great sign that Keon Keely is about as firm as you can be to a program. So the point of that matter is we have, we have said multiple times, both of us, that if you're going to recruit at that level, you also have to be a little like ready to keep them in the class, right? right? Like you got Keon Keely a long time ago now, who right. is a five-star top 10 caliber player. And it's like the programs aren't just going to go away. Right. We're talking about the other gonna, day. Right. They're not going to stop recruiting him no matter what he says. And and, and it, people can say like, oh, I'm not taking phone calls. I'm not taking visits. If Nick Saban called you, right. you're answering the phone. Like, let's well, be honest. Here's the thing. If, if you're, if I'm advising a kid, I'm like, don't, don't burn that bridge. Cause mm-hmm. what if something happens at Notre? I mean, you, with the way the coaching turnover is now, it, you're, you're foolish to completely shut off all those lines of communication. Right. Right. Like you, you just never, and I'm not predicting something's going to happen, but I'm just in general, that needs to be the case. But it, it, like you said, if Nick Saban calls, mm-hmm. you're, you're answering the phone. The phone yeah. right? If Nick Saban called me, I'd answer the phone. Heck right. Yeah. And, and so, the, but the other part of it too, Ryan, is when you recruit big boys that are uncommitted, they're going to visit other schools. And, and, and the thing is, Notre Dame has had gotten so many kids over the years that were all Notre Dame. But the reality is, a lot of those kids were not this type of kid that, that you need to take that next step. And so you have to under, I mean, think about some of the best players on the team now, right? Some of them, they got super early, you know, a lot of them are like quarterbacks, you know, or local kids, you know, Blake Fisher, or Tyler Buckner's a quarterback, but some of the other game changers that they had, they were guys that kind of went down for a while, right? Like, I mean, you look at 
Isaiah Foskey. I mean, he he went through his whole senior year uncommitted. They had to win that one late. I mean, you're that's just the that's what it's just going to be like. I mean, the fact that they have this many studs this early is 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 impressive enough. But people are going to keep recruiting. Like that's just the reality of it. But so I don't look at that as a frustrating. I think it's exciting because Notre Dame is in the battle for kids that are just two years ago we never would have dreamed that they would be as like, they'd be like the fifth one and they'd visit. We'd all know he's not coming to Notre Dame, really. He just, you know, whatever. But, I mean, the fact that Clemson fans are panicking a little bit, Michigan fans are losing it. I mean, they're they're like scared, like, oh, my God, he's they're going to get Dante Moore and C.J. Carr. Like, they're losing their – and I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Like, right. they're losing their minds, and I'm here for it, right? But uh, – it's it's been it's a it's a different era and we have to to reprogram our minds to embrace it mm-hmm. and say this is going to be a fun off season because do you know how many big time Caleb Downs is coming back to Notre Dame y'all in June y'all y'all, y'all get that right like uh, you, you know what I mean like we we have to embrace it and to me so it's not going to be a frustrating it's going to be a long off season because of an excitement of I can't wait for the Ohio State game right but this is going to be a fun fun off season because Notre Dame is doing things now that they just haven't done in a, in a very, very long time. Yep. I mean, it's, it's exciting, man. Cause I mean, I feel like when I used to follow recruiting, I just, as a fan, you're obviously very optimistic. It's like, wow, you got this player, you got that player, but there was always a thing in the back of my mind that was also like, you're going against Alabama. You're probably going to lose. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to go against Ohio State for an Ohio kid. You're probably going to lose like that. That was just always in your mind. Right. Because Ohio State for a while there was the main recruiting power in the Midwest. Like it just was. Right. So it's different now. It's different. This and I've said this multiple times. This staff is not afraid of competition. They're not. Mm-hmm. Why do you why do you account for the fact that Notre Dame already has two Texas kids, highly ranked Texas kids? Top 100 Texas kids that Texas wanted that Texas wanted that are again, top 100 recruits already committed to Notre Dame. And they just put themselves in great position for another top 100 Texas recruit. The fact that you're going into the state of Texas, top hundred, top <laughs> three, top 100 players, right? It tells you that Notre Dame is not afraid. They have Keon Keeley, who is the, the top 10 player out of the state of Florida defensive ends. Letting him get out of the South is a huge loss for the Southeastern Conference, for the Alabamas, for the Georgias, for the Floridas, whoever it would be. So I think that just, again, shows you this staff is just a little different, man. Yeah. Like, they're a little different. And I know it's not Joe- just Marcus Freeman. That's the well, thing. He hired right. a bunch of dudes that right. he expects to put in the same kind of work he did, and he hired guys with a track record of building relationships and mm-hmm. or being great recruiters. And I say and or because you don't hire Chancey Stucky because he has a track record as a great recruiter because he, he doesn't. He hasn't coached that long. Right. But he but you see the personality, the work ethic and those things that make you think he can be that because he's about building relationships. We told you at the time it wasn't it wasn't an accident or a coincidence that every guy that Marcus Freeman got was someone who had a reputation of being someone who's good at building relationships honest trustworthy relationships with with these kids it's not mm-hmm. it was not an accident 
Right. It, because Marcus Freeman was a big time recruit coming out of high school. He was an Army All American. He was a four star recruit that was coveted all over the country. He knows that game and he mm-hmm. knows what works. And, you know, it, it's like you said, Ryan, this is a different, this is a different, this is, this staff is different. And the rest of college football sees it, which is why they're getting so much negative recruiting against Notre Dame going on right now. Like, there's a lot of it going on right now. And forget about the shopping down a different aisle thing that we like to poke fun at, obviously. I think it's even more from a fundamental perspective, Brian. You you know as a former coach, what is like one of the main things that coaches always preach? Competition, right? Like Let's compete. If you're afraid to compete in recruiting as a staff, how can you preach that to your players that they need to compete in everything they do? You literally sat on the side and said, nope, I can't get that kid for a few years. Like That's what you did. That's what you did. You did not identify properly and fight the battles because you didn't think you had a shot. Right. This staff is making it a little different. And I know I said a little, and someone said, it's not a little different. It's a lot. It's a lot different. Sure. But the thing is, is it it wasn't just that they didn't think they could get them. They didn't want to, they had a head coach who didn't want to put in the work to get them. If we're going to be honest. And some of those coaches like Mike Elston, I think is an example of, but there have been others that said, well, I, I, I can't get that guy by myself, so I'm going to work on this kid I, I can get because I know I'm not getting help from over here. I mean, that, and there's a reason that they had so much success in the one year that Mike Elko was here because you had a great defense, a, a great recruiter, defensive coordinator. And there's a reason that immediately upon Marcus Freeman getting hired, the recruiting got better because they could always do it. It's like I, I made this like kind of joke on the message board, Ryan, and it, it went off a lot better than I thought it was. I just kind of made it as a joke. I said, but you know, like, we're going to look back on this and we're going to look at like Brian Kelly, kind of like Admiral Yamamoto from, you know, the Japanese Navy, you know, the, the quote that's attributed to him is after Pearl Harbor, which was a, for the most part, a huge success with the exception of the fact they thought the carriers were going to be there and they weren't, but they, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, they, they crippled the the Pacific fleet for the most part. And he's quoted as saying after the fact, he goes, I feel like all we've done is awaken a sleeping giant because he had been in America he knew that, yeah, America may seem this way and it's all, everything's great and all this, but you don't want to piss them off because they they can mobilize a force domestically and, and militarily that you can't compete with, right? So that's my history lesson for today. But he's attributed that quote, that quote and I kind of feel like that's what Brian Kelly has done. By him leaving it's opened up a pathway for Notre Dame for the sleeping giant that I've always felt Notre Dame was to be woken up and we're seeing it now they got to go out and keep winning. Right. Cause they go seven and five this year and all of a sudden commits are like, yeah, you're a cool dude, but uh, I want to win a championship. We don't think that's going to happen <laughs> first of all, but that's the thing that, um, cause, and you hear it like, there's an energy that comes from these kids when they when when they leave campus, Ryan. You you do it. I mean, you especially you see it firsthand. It's like Sullivan Absher. I don't care what anybody says. Sullivan Absher was not trending to Notre Dame when he showed up last Thursday. Absolutely he wasn't not. or Absolutely Friday. Not. He wasn't. Yep. And and it but it it changed to where coming out of the visit, it's basically like Clemson fans are like ball game. <laughs> it's over. I mean, yeah. you, you know, and, and Clemson mods are like that now. Like, ah, you know, they tried, but it's, it's over. like, think about that. And 
We're seeing that with like Jaden Greathouse came in with everybody's like, you know, he likes Notre Dame. And and I didn't think that Texas was the leader to the degree that a lot of people thought where it was a matter of time. I, I mean, you don't schedule two visits to Notre Dame without having ever been there if there's not a legitimate interest. But then coming out of the visit, it's like, yeah, they're going to be hard to beat now. Rodney Gallagher's guy like didn't know a lot about Notre Dame. We weren't sure where. Now it's like, okay, now Notre Dame's the team to beat. Like this happens over and over and over and over. And they're not going to get everybody. But man, it's um, it's impressive. And like the thing with Keon too, we always try to tell people is people say, well, you know, it's about actions, not words. I'm like, yeah, but the only action isn't what a kid where a kid goes when he visits. The there's other actions that Keon took that entire time. He was always engaged with the fellow commits. Always, he was always engaged with the Notre Dame coaches. He was honest and upfront with the Notre Dame coaches. He was always doing things that you expect of a kid who's firm to do, other than the fact to take visits. But if you understand why Keon took visits, you'd understand this is actually a good thing. Because if he didn't take him now, he was eventually going to take him in the fall. And and he need he needed to experience those things. He should have experienced those things. And I'm I'm glad he did because he's more sold on Notre Dame now because he went to Bama. Because he had this is the program. This is the program in college football. And I feel like I can go there and be just as good, if not better. That's a good thing. Whereas if he hadn't visited, it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should, maybe I should give Alabama another look. And you don't want that. So I, uh, I'm all for it, Ryan. I'm all for yep. it. Let's get to some more here. That was a that was a a, a great question. Sparked a lot of discussion. But it's an exciting off season, my man. Oh yeah, we spent a lot of time on that question. I didn't oh, realize yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. yeah, Bobby Halfacre with better O line play, running backs are more productive, which in return the wide receivers get more touches. Agree or disagree? I agree. Yeah. Because the RPO game like that. I mean, a hundred percent agree. If teams are, if the, if the running game is legit because the line in the backs, you're going to complete eight to 10 RPOs a game. I mean, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no doubt. And and it's easier touches too off the RPO action, right? Like, I mean, just like arrow routes, slants, like it's bubble screens, like it's easy Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, too. So, yeah. Utah Irish, here's here's one for you, Ryan, because I'm mm-hmm. not gonna know. I, I never watched him at Arizona. I don't right. know if you did or didn't. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Utah Irish asks for a mailbag question if there's time. And you can even, yeah, I I, I can't answer this one. So hopefully you can. For a sure. mailbag question, if there's time, we're making time. Can you guys <laughs> compare Mayor Michael Mayer to Rob Gronkowski at this stage in their career? Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, so the the backstory with Gronk is that Gronk actually came out as a junior, but he was hurt his whole junior season, so he didn't play his junior year. So his sophomore year was his big year, right? I would say that comparatively, Gronk was used a lot more as a vertical seam runner while he was at Arizona than Michael Mayer does. Michael Mayer is much more... He's much more further along as a route runner. Like, he has shown that he has ability to kind of get uncovered in certain situations while running different types of routes. Rob Gronkowski was just a big, long athlete at Arizona. Like you could see it, it's like, darn dude, that dude's 6'6", 245, 250 sophomore season. And you're like, you can put on another 15, 20 pounds easy, right? Which he ended up doing. So I think that I would say Mayer is further along as a true sophomore. What Gronk, what really happened great with Gronk is Gronk was a good prospect, obviously. He went in the second round despite not playing the year before. But coming to New England was like the perfect fit for him, man. Because his first year, 
he had like 50 catches for like 500 something yards. It wasn't like overly impressive, but he had like 11 touchdowns or something like that. He was used in a very specific role as a, you know, kind of a red zone threat type of thing in Tom Brady. And he had the time to develop. So I think as prospects, though, if you're just looking at them just as sophomores, Michael Mayer's more advanced. Rob Gronkowski was more upside, obviously, from a longer type of athlete perspective. But I would say as long as Michael Mayer's trajectory continues, the kid has a chance to go top 10, top 15 next year because he is that special of a player. I never felt, I never liked, you tell me if you agree or disagree. Well, first, let me back up your point. Again, this isn't from analysis standpoint because I didn't watch him in Arizona. But as a freshman, Gronk had 28 catches for 525 yards, 18 points, eight per carry. That that fits into what you talk about, the vertical aspect. And even in year two, he had 47 catches for 672 yards. That was 14.3 and yep. 10 touchdowns. Michael Mayer in his last in his first two years has averaged 10.7 and 11.8 yards per, per catch. Now I think he needs to, that needs to jump, and that's more of a usage problem sure. than him not being a guy that can do that. But to your point, it, it, those numbers do kind of back up what Ryan just said in regards to the comparison. I'm going to say this, Ryan, and you tell me if you agree or disagree. I've never liked the, the baby Gronk comparisons. I feel like those are simply just because he's a tight end and he's tall and he's white. And he's anywhere's 87. Right. Yeah. Like Their <laughs> exactly. games are not similar to me. Like Gronk yeah. was basically like a big receiver, I always felt like. He was more like a big receiver in New England. And he and what I do remember of him at Arizona, he, he, was, he was more of a big receiver. He was more Devin Funches than he was Michael Mayer at Arizona, from what I do remember of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that comparison fits because I just don't think their games are very similar in my opinion. Well, I think they have different body types. The one, the one thing about Gronk is at Arizona, he wasn't really used in line a ton, but when he got to new England, after he developed, he became one of the better blockers in the NFL. Right. So like the upside was there. I will say Michael Mayer is further along as a blocker though, in college, just because he does it a lot more. Right. That's why that's where that Devin Funches comparison, like in, in, in college, Devin Funches was basically a receiver. Maybe Kyle Pitts is a better comparison in regards to how they were lined up and used, even though they were different athletes. That might even be a better comparison, but he wasn't a tight end. He wasn't a tight end per se in college. And and Michael Mayer is way more like physically advanced because Gronk's taller. But I mean, Michael Mayer, since he was a freshman, man, he had that body where you're just like, well, that guy's going to play in the NFL. (laughs) You know, like there's no doubt about it. He is a well put together dude. Gronk was more long levers and needed to fill out going into new England. Then Mike, Michael Mayer is going to come out of college. You're going to be like, yep, he's physically ready. Like he can play in line and do all those types of things. I don't have a great comp for Mayer. Like I, I got some Greg Olson vibes. You know, I thought Greg Olson was kind of a similar stylistic player. Like body type was similar as well. I, I definitely don't think that the games match up to, to Gronk. I understand why it's because he's big and he's, ferocious and he's going to run you over. And like, I understand why it's a, it's a comp, but I mean, I just think he's a much looser athlete than Gronk. Gronk, again, the thing that Gronk did so well is he was a great blocker, obviously huge catch radius, but when he worked the seams, man, he was, I mean, no, no linebacker could run with him as a seam runner. Like, I mean, it was just insane. His yards per catch the one year. And if you could run with him, Ryan, he's so freaking long that Tom Brady would just (laughs) throw it like eight feet over your head and he would just go up and get it. Yeah. It's absurd. Yep. 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 He's 
Rob Gronkowski's special, man. When he's in, when he was in his prime, I mean, last year he quietly had like eight hundred something yards. It's like, I mean, he's just a really good player, man. Really he just player. hangs out at the beach all summer. Ah, I think we'll go to the NFL camp now. <laughs> oh. Remember when he yeah. lost all that weight, and then, and then Tom Brady went to New, uh, yeah. went to Tampa, and yeah. he's like, oh, I'll come play, I guess. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I nice. love that commercial um, that they have the phone commercial where Tom Brady's talking to Gronk about maybe come, you know, what he's going to you're going to Tampa Bay and. Gronk's telling him to retire and all that, <laughs> but because it broke up, it was like you know, uh, you know, come out and I'm coming with you or whatever. And so, and he's like, mom, where's my football pants? <laughs> because the funny thing is, like, I could see that being kind of somewhat true. You know what I mean? Like, this is from a personality standpoint. Ninety nine problems, but BK ain't one. What at minimum realistic and max expect? What are minimum realistic and max expectations for this offense in 2022? Also, in terms of an offensive team comp, what would a good comp for this offensive expected performance? So let's start minimum. What's I think the minimum expectation is that they're slightly better than they were last year. Yeah, and I I would minimum expectation. And I, I would say like, I mean, so like I think of that as like the worst case scenario. So I think the worst case scenario is that they are a good running team, mm-hmm. but they don't take the steps in the passing game. So they're a little one dimensional, right? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what I think is like the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is that you're a balanced team that has the opportunity to do both. And then the max for me is that you're really good at both, right? right. Like that that's where the explosiveness and the efficiency come into right. that. And that's, that's where you could see them getting up to 43, 44 points per game as far as the max expectations. And because that's going to include like, you're going to have some games. You're not only going to put up 60 on like, Marshall and and UNLV, but you're going to put up like 50 on Cal and and Stanford and teams like that, which is what we saw from them at the end. I mean, Notre Dame averaged over 40 points per game the last six games of the year last year, right? Without any ability to run the football legitimately. I mean, it, you know, so the potential's there. I don't think that's realistic, though. I think realistic is more in that 38 to 39. Like my bold prediction was 40. That the bold prediction isn't a realistic, it's a bold. It's things go well. So, like to me, like 37, 38, you know, like is kind of realistic. And and the reason it's there because they don't have a a one double eight team to hang a 69 spot on, right? And and they do play some really good teams. So I think 37, 38 for the offense. Again, we're not talking about like five, six non-offensive touchdowns to get you to 35 we're talking about like legit 37 38 which was which was ryan's thing of five plus over what the offense did last year i think that's the realistic expectation because you are going to be a much better running team right you are expected to have more balance in the passing game and i think the schedule sets up to where there's some challenging games on there but there's also some games where some of the like some of the teams that are the best teams are going to play Ohio State, you like if we're to say the four best opponents, would you agree with me as of right now? The four best opponents are going to be Ohio State, Clemson, USC, and BYU based off preseason expectations. Yes. Yeah. It could change. It could be Carolina, it could be BC, but that's the expectation now. Sure. Two of those teams suck on defense. So the point is, is like you you may lose, but you're not going to lose and score 10 points, or at least you shouldn't, or there's major problems. You're going to lose. You're going to score points. It's not like when they played Georgia in 2017 or 20, 2019 and you lost, you only scored 17 or 19 points. It, it, it's not, I don't think it's going to be like that. If they're going to, I think if they're going to lose this year, it's going to be a lot like Ohio state last year. 
I'm not saying they're going to be as dynamic as, as Ohio State was. I mean, like, you're not going to score 13 points and lose. You're going to score 24, 27 and, and lose. And your defense doesn't make enough stops or whatever the case may be. So I think I think that's more of a realistic expectation is that 37 to 38 range, 450 plus, closer to 475 in yards, you know, getting up to that six and a half yards per play. Those are realistic expectations. That's where they should be this year. If they can get up to seven, which I think is possible, then you start seeing those other things happen. Because I, I could see this offense because they were they were well over seven the last six games of the year last year. And I think they're going to be a lot better this year, in my opinion. Tom Ryan with a good question here, Ryan. What influences a potential quarterback? I'll say more. A great offensive line to protect him or great receivers to throw to. I mean, from a recruiting aspect, I would say the receivers probably affect the quarterback more than the offensive line. Now, I don't think that that practically is how it necessarily should be. I feel like most smart quarterbacks are going to understand that they need both. Like they don't just need one. But from a from a general feeling, I would say that it's probably receivers that sway quarterbacks most. I'm going to ask you a second question, and I'm going to take his question and kind of mold it a little bit. What has a greater influence on a quarterback's performance? Once he gets there, because I took the, it to be a recruiting yeah. question like you did with the, a potential quarterback. Right. But let's say once he gets here, what has the greater influence on his performance, a great offensive line to protect him or great receivers to throw to? I would say offensive line, right? Like I, I think most quarterbacks, if you generally give them a good amount of time. It's really hoping yeah. we could disagree on that one. Oh, uh, did you agree on it? Did you agree? Uh, yeah, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say receivers, and we were going to have a debate. No. And we, we forget. I, I mean, man, if a guy's on his back, it doesn't matter how good your receivers are, man. It like, goes you need back to the original question, Ryan. You can scheme, yeah. you can scheme receivers to some level of success. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, like Tom Brady in his in his peak with New England, right? His receivers, for the most part, I know you have Randy Moss for a couple years, but like for the general part of his career. He has made wide receivers look better because he just had a million seconds to throw the ball, man. Like he got the ball out quick near the end of his career. But like, if you look at some of those offensive lines he had with like Matt light and Logan Mankins and like those types of teams, you, if you have, if you give your quarterback time and you don't have him, you know, rushing things and rushing his process as much guys can get open eventually, right? Like guys can get open. Yep. Good question, Tom. Mark Applegate, I would like to see the offense offense be more aggressive and more and, and more energy throughout the entire game. Hopefully the play calling is a lot like it was the last six weeks and the bowl game. I agree with that, Mark. I think the one takeaway, the reason I wanted to ask this question, I think the aggressiveness will be there. I think we saw that. I think it's Tommy Nature's Tommy Reese's nature to be a bit aggressive. We saw that in 2020. That's the one thing Tommy Reese was in some of those big games last year, that year. He was a great, I mean, against Clemson, he was taking shots early in the game. With the game on the line, fourth quarter against Clemson, you need a touchdown to win. He took a shot. That that That's not what Brian Kelly normally does. And, and so I think that the aggressiveness part, I'm not concerned about. And I think the people need to understand, aggressive doesn't equal tempo. Aggressive is a play calling. It's a mentality thing. The one thing I do want to see that I really liked about Mark's comment is I do think Notre Dame's offense needs to play with a little bit more energy. Just a little bit, maybe, I don't know if it's swagger, toughness, I don't know what it is, but there's just something missing where they don't, you, you, a defense should always be a little bit more energy. Just It's the nature of being a defensive player to an offensive player. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't have more energy, and that's something I do want to see. Like maybe you're a little too methodical mentally, 
I want to see them play yeah. a little bit more fire. And I think that's yeah. that final step for me for Coach Reese. So really good, really good comments, Mark. Yeah. Tyler Bedwell, it seems like there's a chance Jade Mickey could start as a refreshment. Is that your guys' read as well? I don't think start. I think play, sure. But I, I still th- I, I think he's got – I mean, you have Clarence Lewis who's played a ton of football. You have Ryan Barnes who I thought had a, a good spring from everything I heard, right? And you're going to have Cam Hart coming back. So I think he's going to play starts maybe by the end of the season. We'll see, but, like, I don't know. I sure would agree that. with his comment that there's a chance. Okay. I think there's a chance. I'm just not predicting it. So that's where I'm with you, Ryan. I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but right. there's a chance. I mean, if he comes out, he'll he'll get a chance. If he comes out and outplays guys every day, he's gonna he's gonna get a chance to start for him. It's just I don't. To to your point, I think that there's there's some good players there that it's going to make it harder for him to start unless you chalk it up to nickel and count that as the starting position. That I could see, but that's not. I don't think that's within that. I don't think that's where the question was coming from. So right. I would say there's a chance, but I'm not predicting it. So I, th- I think we're yeah. on the same page, Ryan. I just, I would, I would, you know, if you say, if he were to say, hey, do you think Jaden Mickey will start? No, I don't. Right. Do you think there's a chance? Yeah, there's a chance. Sure. Toe Jam 1992, B. Ryan, the dig on Spindler. Rocco Spiller this spring was slow footwork. Has that improved? He looked fast on screen plays in the blue gold game, but running speed and footwork speed are not the same. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked, we talked about this during the, the show, right? I thought he looked improved. I definitely yeah. thought his footwork, his foot quickness, well, not foot quickness, his footwork looked more sped up. I think his conditioning looked better when mm-hmm. we saw him in on April 23rd compared when we saw him in early March. Agree or right. disagree? And, no, I, th- I think in the open practice, for the most part, in t- well, Offensive lineman in general, right? If you don't notice them, that's usually a very good thing. You mm-hmm. noticed him and for bad reasons in this spring practice, right? Like it was like he can't stay attached to guys because he's just like he his foot quickness is not good enough to kind of attack the angle properly and get proper leverage, that type of thing. I didn't go back and I didn't watch him specifically, but I also didn't notice him. So that tells me good. That's a good step. If I don't notice you as an offensive lineman, that's usually a very good thing. Let's go to the next question. Sean Kane, this is a comment and I and I had to bring it up. He put it on twice and I and I and I Sean, I'm getting this from a lot of fans. You are not alone. The last time I was this excited about an upcoming season was when Lou Holtz was still pacing the sidelines. I I, I there's a lot of people that would agree with you on that. A lot of people. Right. And I think that leads into the discussion we had yesterday Ryan about the energy on campus this weekend was something like we haven't seen in a long time. Even for home yeah. games in the season. So right. you are not you are not and, alone, and it's and it's not fully. I mean, there has to be there's there's some there's a lot of varying factors to why that is, but I mean you have to give obviously the big credit to Marcus Freeman. I think it's the fact that like not only him just him being young, but like there's just a swagger about him. We just talked about energy on the offensive side of the football. Marcus Freeman just walks around, and you just like notice the energy, you know. And mm-hmm. I feel like the last couple coaches, it's like Brian Kelly did some good things, but like he wasn't a very like energetic like. It was personality, right? Yeah, right. He was people could respect the job he did. I don't know many yep. people that actually liked him. The reality right. is, is you can respect your boss, but if you like your boss, mm-hmm. the energy level is going to be a little different. It, it may not impact the outcome. Your production may still be there, but it's going to make it. I mean, you look forward to going to work every day instead of like, oh god, I got to do this. right. Well, even even before him, it was like Charlie Weiss was just also kind of the same Not type of likeable, vibe, right? right? Like, yeah, and I, I don't Baby remember wasn't likable. 
I don't remember Ty what Willingham was like, but Ty yeah. was likable as a person. He just was unlikable because he didn't work. Like that's what you just didn't respect him. So I, Ty was likable. He wasn't respected because he didn't work. That was a big thing with him. 99 problems, but BK ain't one. Does the running back depth chart uh, talent reduce the amount that Buckner's intentionally used as a runner? Design runs, keeps or read options. Keeping Buckner healthy seems even more important after Pine Spring. I want to say one thing about the last thing. You cannot go through games worried about keeping your quarterback healthy. You have to call the game. Now, does that mean you're going to call 20 runs against Ohio State and then follow up with 20 runs against Marshall? No. I think that's where maybe say, okay, maybe we don't do as many of the designed runs against Marshall or UNLV, but you got to run your offense, Ryan. Cause if you're not running your offense, cause you're afraid someone's going to get hurt then you're just not going to be that good. So, right. and then, then it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're, 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 de- there's parts of your offense that you're designing because you know what a, what a dynamic player Buckner is with his legs. Right. So I don't think it's in- intentional. Like, Again, to your point, there's going to be some sometimes where you're just like, yeah, okay, we're not going to run him quite as much this week because we don't need to run him as much this week, right? But yeah. I think that you're not going to limit the impact that Tyler Buckner has as a runner because that is one of your biggest selling points as an offense is the fact that you have a quarterback that even when things break down or when you're scripting designed runs can affect the defense in a big yeah. way. And if you establish it in some games, teams have to respect it in other games, even if you don't call it. And that's the thing. Like if you come out and let's say Tyler Buckner rips off a couple big runs in the first couple games, you may call just a pure inside zone, Ryan, where there's no read and Tyler keeps the ball and runs around and like fit carries out his fake. And they respect it, even though he's not even a, a remotely a threat on the play. And that's what that does. So you don't have to, you don't even have to call it for it to be a threat in a game. And I think that's the the thing. But yeah, there will be times to your point that you're not going to call. You don't you, you don't need to have him run the ball twenty times against Marshall or Cal or UNLV or, or Syracuse. You still want to run him though, because that's part of who you are. Sure. You know, but maybe those are games where the scrambles are where he makes his plays. But against Ohio State, if if it if you got to call twenty design runs to beat Ohio State, then you call twenty design runs to beat Ohio State. Same with Clemson. Mm-hmm. Same with USC. That's what you got to do in those games. Because at the end of the day, you got to do whatever it takes to win. And if you play not to get your guy hurt, that's how you lose, in my opinion. Antoine, Porsche, Rideau, Brian and Ryan, do you see Payne, Jabron Payne being used as a slot receiver more than running back? Not, no, not more than running back. No, I think that's just part of what he can do if you need that to be his role, right? Like he's one of those guys that we talk about even similar to Jadarian Price, like you would feel like he can be detached and play a different role because that kind of gives you optimal matchup, you know, dictation. So I think that it can be a part of what the, you do, Antoine, but I don't I don't think that, no, he's not going to be a majority slot receiver. I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Ryan asked, Michael Mayer matched up against uh, Jack Sawyer in the past game. He's, he has happen. Made, <laughs> Ryan has made so many comments to me about this because he watched the spring game and they're like dropping Jack Sawyer into coverage. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait for that. I'll just say this. If if that's a matchup opportunity, then Notre Dame needs to go to it. A lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. Adam Ziliak, what Notre Dame needs to be able to do is run when they need to third and one or first and goal at the two. They couldn't do that last, the last year. Here, here's my comment on that, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yes, Notre Dame needs to be able to run it on third and one and first and goal. I, I but my but that has that turns in, and I'm not saying this about Adam, 
with mm-hmm. some fans that turns into you have to do that. I got into an argument one year, I think it was 2014 season, maybe it was 2013, where some guy was like, Notre Dame's offense sucks because they can't convert third and ones or third and shorts. And then I went through and compared their stats like Bama and Ohio State from like the year before when they were like, or no, it was Bama from the year before. So I forget, it was a team that was really good the year before. Florida State maybe the year before. I forget what year it was. But anyway, no, it was 2013. It was Bama from the year before. I don't remember what year it was. It was a long time ago. I think Ever Golson was a quarterback. But the point I made is Notre Dame actually had a higher third and short complete conversion percentage than those other teams. And so the response was, A, they didn't believe me. And then I provided the data. And I was like, well, it doesn't mean the same because they threw more than they ran. Like it turns into this whole, well, it's like, no, that's about your ego, right? Like if they're going to put nine in the box on third and one, I'm throwing the ball to Michael Mayer because it may be a touchdown. I may be able to convert the third and one, but what if I can get an opportunity to score a touchdown because they're giving us this opportunity outside, right? So to me, I care about moving the chains and using those opportunities at times to create matchups. I think the problem last year to Adam's question, if I'm reading his intention correctly, is they couldn't run it on third and one, even when they wanted to. And that's when you get in trouble and you get in the goal line situation. You're like, I don't know if they can punch this thing in there. I mean, how many times did it take them three, four plays inside the five to get in the end zone? And sometimes they still couldn't do it. And and that that part I agree with. But I I, I th- th- but some people that look at that they look at that like, well, you you know, if, if you don't run it on third and one, it's because you can or you you know, no, I don't care about how you get it. I care about getting it right. Right. That's my stance on that. Absolutely, Josh Wahlberger. How much does Tobias Merriweather play this year? We had he another plays. one on him. He plays. I want to bring this I, up from Mitchell yeah. Coney. Mitchell with a super chat. Mitchell, thank you very much. He says, I think Merriweather could create an interesting position battle uh, for the receivers. I, I wanted to bring those two kind of together because I think Mitchell's right. I think if if Tobias Merriweather shows up physically like he's put in the work this offseason, which I expect him to, mm-hmm. and mentally ready to challenge. And here, here's something else, too. In the past, young guys were often told, like, you know, hey, look, just come in and just, you know, just develop. I have been told by now, I haven't talked to every kid, but every kid I've talked to, kid or parent, they have all told me that this coaches, whether it's Tommy Reese or Marcus Freeman, have told them, do not come in here thinking you're going to redshirt. Come in here ready to play. Now, that could change for offensive linemen, but skill players, all these guys, that's what they're being told. Linebackers, that's what they're being told. Don't come in there thinking you're going to redshirt. Come in there be ready to play. Tobias has been told that. So I think he'll play. To your question, Ryan, until he gets on campus and we see how he physically stacks up. Right. And, you know, because he could be mentally ready to play, but if he physically isn't ready to play 50 snaps a game, then you can't play in 50 snaps a game. And what by physically, I mean, maybe he's only a buck 80 and he's not strong. I mean, we we got to see it first, right? Mm-hmm. But if he comes in and puts in the physical work, he'll play. Right. The question would be then is how much? And I think that's where Mitchell gets into it is I think Tobias Merriweather is going to have a huge impact on this offense this year, but it may not be his own individual production. Mm-hmm. Because when you get a kid like him that shows up, if you want to play somebody else, if you want to play, you better freaking bring it. Right. Right. And that's what I said about, about Deion Colsey. The biggest impact Tobias Merriweather could have in 2022 is lighting a fire under Deion Colsey. Right. So now let's say Tobias catches 20 balls. If, if what I believe to be true 
or believe that could happen comes true, then you can't just then Dion or Tobias doesn't just deserve credit for his 20 catches. He deserves credit, some credit for whatever Tobias does. And that's the kind of the hidden impact that a guy can have. Like, hey man, you want to play, you better bring it because this kid is like like Andrew, if Andrew Kristoffic starts at left guard this year, I think he's gonna be really good. And the reason I say that is because is he has to be, and he knows he has to be. And so if he holds off Rocco and the other players, that means he's playing at a high level. That's what competition does. Mm-hmm. If Clarence Lewis is starting a cornerback this year, I can promise he's going to be a lot better than he was last year because he has to be. If he doesn't, he won't play. Right. And that's what I love. Like Ro- Ramon Henderson. If Ramon Henderson plays in the fall like he played on Saturday, he won't play. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's other guys. And that's where you want to be. Like if, if we, we were talking about this at Mike Linebacker. JD and Bo Bauer. Look, look, if if though if JD Bertrand you're starting Mike, he's gonna be really good. Why do I say that? Because if he's not, he won't be playing. Right? I mean, it'll be Bower Jr. And and that's the thing that excites me. And I think Tobias can really have that because right now I don't know if that exists at receiver. I don't know if there's a guy you can point to and say, You better do this, Dion, or you're gonna, you know, but when Tobias shows up, it's a little different deal. That's just my and I, I think I think the word interesting popped to me too, Mitchell, because it's like he's one of the he's one of the guys on the roster, Tobias in theory, that can come in and can play multiple positions. So it makes it very interesting because it's not just like, oh, we got competition at W. He could play X. Yeah. He could play all over the place. And I like that Mitchell didn't say the boundary receiver. He just said receivers. Exactly. And that fits to what you were saying, Ryan, is it's not just the W. I think that's, from what I'm told, that's where he's going to start out like practice one. But if there's a need somewhere else, Deion, he's going to be able to move. I think Tobias is a guy that can play all three spots. I do. He's not a guy that I'm putting in the slot for 50 snaps a game. He's so tall, I don't want to get his ribs broken. But there are some looks where I could say, yeah, put him in the slot and create some matchup opportunities for you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Chief Brody with a question. Tommy Reese or Jack Cohn, who would you rather have a quarterback? Jack Cohn. I mean, it's easy for me. I mean, I I give Tommy all the credit as a player. He got about as much out of his talent level as you possibly could have at Notre Dame. Like, he was not a physically gifted player. But Jack Cohn is going to get drafted to the NFL this year, most likely, right? So there's a separation as far as talent level between the two, in my opinion. Well, plus the other thing is is if Tommy Reese is is the quarterback, then – Who's the OC? <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, 
it's a, it's a fair point. I didn't, I didn't think about that. No, I, I, but I agree, though. I, I think I think Jack's a better athlete. I think Jack has a, a little bit better arm than Tommy mm-hmm. did, too. A uh, little bit more accurate. Tommy's bigger, thing was up guy. there. Tommy yeah. had it had everything you want in a quarterback right here and everything you want in a quarterback right here. He just didn't physically have the talent. And he'll tell you that. I mean, that he said it publicly. I hope that I recruit quarterbacks that have more talent than I did. But, but here's what made Tommy great. He was a... I mean, he battled. He had heart, and he was wicked smart. The thing is, if he didn't have all those three things, he wouldn't have been on scholarship at Notre Dame because he didn't have the physical talent that other quarterbacks have had. If they can, it, can I be honest with you? This is partly why I'm so high on Dante Moore because I think Dante has a lot of those traits that Tommy had. He's a warrior. He has a lot of heart, and he's wicked smart mentally. Except Dante has five-star physical tools as well where Tommy didn't. And that's what I think is often overlooked about great quarterbacks. Most great quarterbacks have those other intangibles. Tommy had the intangibles. He didn't have the talent. Mm-hmm. I think Jack had Jack had more talent and, and some of the intangibles. Cuba Puig, what would I what would the record be if we had our best version of Deshaun Kaiser? I know how most of the fans feel about him as a person, but just curious. Well, I think to your question, Cuba, is it the best version of Deshaun Kaiser would have been a more mature Deshaun Kaiser, right? Right. Yep. And I don't think there's any doubt about of the guys who started, Deshaun Kaiser was the most physically gifted quarterback that Notre Dame had. I think Everett threw the best ball, but Everett was six feet tall and 200 pounds. Deshaun was 6'4", 240. Brian, you may disagree with this, but of the again, I'm not counting Phil Dracovic because Phil didn't start and his career is still to, to be played out. But of the guys who started for Notre Dame from Brady Quinn until now, since Brady Quinn, so after Brady Quinn, Deshaun Kaiser had the best overall talent pack. Jimmy was the best passer, mm-hmm. but Deshaun Kaiser's gap in, as a passer – is much less than to Jimmy Clausen than than his his lead over Jimmy as an athlete and a, and a runner, right? I, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Deshaun was an incredibly yeah. talented kid. There was no yeah. doubt. Right. So the best version of him, what would the record be? If if Deshaun Kaiser would have come back in 27, let's just say Deshaun would have been like, let's say Chip, he'd have sat down with Chip Long and Chip was just really told him the truth and like, here's where you need to be. And Deshaun was like, man, you know, I got a great opportunity in front of me. I don't want to waste. I'm going to come back. I'm going to be a better teammate. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do all this. If he'd have come back in 2017, Notre Dame would have won a national championship. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Wholeheartedly believe that. Because they because they don't lose to Miami if he's their quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think they lose to Georgia if he's – they definitely don't lose to Georgia. I think there's a better chance Miami beats them than if than Georgia beats them. Because that was game two for Georgia. Like, they weren't that good at that time. That was Jake right. Fromm's first start. They would have beat Georgia in that game. if Because they only lost by one with Brandon Wimbush. Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, I, I think they, I, you may disagree with this, Ryan, but I think, because that was not a great Alabama, that was Alabama's worst title. They, there's teams that Bama's had that lost title, that didn't win titles that were better than that 2017 team. Talent was, was, wise. was that the Jay Coker year? No, that was, that was 15 and 16 or 15. So. That okay. was the year that, that Jalen Hurts got benched for Tua. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was not, a, that was not a great Alabama team. So I'm gonna here. Let me just pull this up real quick. So yeah, yeah, Deshaun, yeah, uh, Jalen Hurts was the quarterback. Damian Harris was your top running back. Both Bo Scarborough was your number two running back. Najee Harris was just a freshman. 
Now, all that that great freshman class that they had, those guys were all freshmen that year, and they had Calvin Ridley at receiver as well. And then the rest of their guys were freshmen. Mm-hmm. So, and, and their defense was good, but it wasn't like a typical vintage Alabama defense. It was right. good, though. They had, like, Quinn and Williams was a freshman. Minka Fitzpatrick was a great player on that team, but that was one of the – I mean, that was one of the, like, beatable Alabama teams, in my opinion, that year. And uh, that, that was the team, if you remember, they got smacked by Auburn at the end of the year. They didn't play in the SEC title game that year. So mm-hmm. uh, they didn't win the SEC championship that year. And they beat a bad Clemson team in the semifinals. Like that was the Kelly Bryant Clemson team. Mm-hmm. So I think Notre Dame would have won a title that year. And there's no, now I don't think they would have in 2015 if it was because Deshaun was just a redshirt freshman and the circumstances were a little bit different. Jules 602. Did any receiver stand out more than the other? Ryan, I think we both agree that there's a very clear number one receiver for Notre Dame right now. Yeah, Lorenzo Styles. Are you yeah. going there? Yeah, yep. yeah. He's a yep. hey man. He's one of those other guys. I mentioned Tobias Merriweather. We've talked about Lorenzo a ton. He's another one of those guys that can play multiple spots at mm-hmm. wide receiver, and I think he is. I I think I think he's going to present a lot of mismatch opportunities because there's going to be some times where I can see him put him in the slot and taking advantage of hey linebackers over him or safeties over him or. You know, those two different degrees, put him in the boundary mm-hmm. against a, a a guy that maybe is more of a boundary corner where he's, you know, a little more, maybe a little tight, but he's going to try to get your hands on him. He has a good release. Like there's a lot of profile and a lot of opportunities that Lorenzo Styles presents to you as a line mm-hmm. lines up. Got a few more here before we wrap up. Sean Kane says, what two defenses on Notre Dame's schedule? Matches up best with our offense, Clemson and who? So, like, what defense could present the biggest problems with Notre Dame offense? That's a really good question. I'd probably go with BYU, Ryan. Is there is there another one that you could look at? I mean, B, and BYU wasn't a great defense last year, but I think they're going to be better this year. They were a little bit up and down last year. But if right. I if I remember correctly, I believe they have a lot of dudes coming back. Like, yeah, I'm looking mm-hmm. like their top four tacklers, freshman, sophomore, sophomore, freshman, junior, 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 freshman, junior, sophomore, 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 freshman. They have everybody coming back. Right. And, and, and they were a little inconsistent last year. I think they're going to be better. But they're going to be physical. And that, to me, is the thing you've got to be to match up against Notre Dame. You've yeah. got to be physical up front. And I, even when BYU has bad defenses, they're at least physical normally. Right. So right. I, can't, I can't think of anybody else. In nah, it, would, it would be BYU for me. They have a bunch yeah. of guys like the Peyton Wolger kid at linebacker is a good yeah. player. He's coming back. They just they have size. And they're, I mean, they're usually very mature for certain well, reasons, right? <laughs> And they've got everybody coming back. I mean, that's the other thing is like they got so many dudes coming back. I think they got a couple transfers too. Uh, so we got, let's see, Truman Dumel says, What is your biggest overall positive from the blue and gold and the biggest negative watching it? Now we look good, but we'll become elite very soon. <sighs> biggest positive from the blue gold game, I thought, was the speed of the team, especially on defense. That was the most noticeable thing. The biggest negative was Drew Pine not playing well. I just I, I really didn't think Drew played great in that game. And 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 I think he's capable of playing better and they need him to play better. So there there there's there's no doubt about that. Let's go to a couple more here before we wrap up. Oh, and Truman, I saw that you signed up for the message board yesterday. I appreciate that very much. I'm glad to have you on board. Kubo also says my bold prediction is an upset, is an upset alert. We beat Ohio State the first game of the year. 
I'm going, uh, I'm just going on the premise that we can block the up front and rush the quarterback uh, with a much better scheme. 28, 24 Irish. I can dig that. I, I, that if they hold Ohio State's offense to 24 points, that would be very, very, very impressive. And then the last question here as we wrap up is that uh, Kuba asks, is there any intel on Jacob Odin? How high are you guys on him as a player? The intel is – it's not a lot of intel. It's, it's still kind of early in the process for him. Notre Dame likes him. He's definitely a guy that's on the board for Notre Dame. They've had him on campus multiple times. Him and his dad both like Notre Dame. The thing is right now, Notre Dame is still sort of in a – a, they're figuring out their board at certain positions, so they're not pushing for guys. I think if they pushed for him, they would have a really good shot for him. And, and the fact that they're not pushing for him isn't that they don't like him. They like him a lot from what I understand. But it's just more of a, hey, we got to figure out the board first. But if they make a run, because like his dad's big time into the academic pieces. Dad's a coach, I believe. He's big guy academics. He really likes Marcus Freeman, both the son and the dad, which is why they've made so many trips to Notre Dame here in this offseason. So I think that I think that there's a scenario in which if Notre Dame decides soon that they want him, they'd have a really good I'm not saying they're a lock, but they'd have a really good shot to get him. I just think at this point in time that I think that's that's a wait, that's a be determined, but as of right now, it's super early. They're in a good position. They're in a good position. And Detroit Hunter, my bold prediction would be that Tobias will be over half the board's favorite player by the end of the year. That's, that's an interesting one. And then here's the last question. This is going to be from Jay Montalbano. Do you guys think that Marcus Freeman will recruit to the level where Notre Dame has no weakness every year? It seems we have at least one or more weak spots. I think everybody has weaknesses. I, there's been very, very, very few. Like even LSU in 2019, their defense could be scored on, where if their offense was having an off day, you could, you could, you could outscore them. And, you know, Auburn almost beat them. I mean, so they weren't, like, invincible. Texas took them down to the wire that year, and that wasn't a great Texas team. So everybody has some level of weakness. I think it's limiting the number of weaknesses and then making it to where your your perceived weakness in a matchup against Bama isn't significant. I think that's really the key. But I think that they're they're there. But, look, that requires great recruiting year after year. If they sign the number one recruiting class in the country and then next year they're fifteen because they get beat up for a bunch of kids, then then that you're not going to compete with those teams. You're going to be better, but not elite. It's you got to recruit those kind of classes year after year after year after year. That's the key for me. All right. I, that is going to be it for the questions. So before we go, everybody, there's so many great questions today. I absolutely love the discussion. That's why we went way longer than we anticipated going. Ryan had to run for an interview. He's doing a lot of draft stuff. That's how long we went because you guys had some phenomenal questions. Great discussion. Enjoyed it a ton. Before you leave, my guy Mace AK isn't here with the uh, with the the, the reminders, but I, I think I can remember it. it uh, there he is, my man. There he is. That's what's up. Join the message board. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Share the podcast. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. And as always, go Irish. So, everybody, have a great rest of your day. Just a quick reminder, we will have a draft preview show tomorrow on Thursday. Tomorrow night after Kyle Hamilton gets picked, we anticipate him being a first-round pick. Sean and I will go live probably about 20, 30 minutes after that to really break down kind of the latest. So that's why you need to have the notification bell on because when we set our show, it'll tell you what time. We'll probably, like I said, go about 20, 20, 30. All good, Mace. Uh, Probably go like 20, 30 minutes 
after the pick is made, you know, get our stories up and get our prep and all that kind of stuff. But we will have a show tomorrow night after it gets picked. We'll have our mailbag on Friday. And then probably either Saturday night or Sunday, we're not quite sure yet. Depends on how long the draft takes. We'll have sort of a draft recap show and uh and we'll go there so make sure you sign up for the message boards as as we as we always tell you join the message board tons of great discussion tons of great question that's where we put all of our intel stuff uh you're going to want to check on that again soon as well so uh join us we've been growing way past our projected numbers but i want more i want us to keep growing and growing and growing i'm uh possibly may have a new recruiting guy jumping on board here soon we're going to see about that but that's all possible because of the work you all are doing as far as helping us grow so keep doing it keep doing it keep helping us grow and i told y'all if you help us grow i'll always reinvest back into the business to make it better and better and better and that's what we're doing so everybody have a great rest of your day thank you so much for joining the irish breakdown podcast 